The reading today, or this evening, is Daniel 10, and it can be found on page 895 in the pews in front of you, for the Bibles. So that's Daniel 10, starting at verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like creoslite, his face like lightning, his eyes were flaming torches, his arms and his legs like the gleam of bronzed burn, burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. When I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you, and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face towards the ground and was speechless. Then... One who looked like a man touched my lips, and opened, I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because the vision, my Lord, and I am helpless. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid. O man highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, 
Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and I will go, and the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. This is the word of the Lord. Um, it did strike me as possible that uh, um, as you sat there listening to the reading, you might have thought to yourself, wow, what is Andrew going to say about that? <laughs> and uh, if that was you, then I've got to tell you, you wouldn't be alone. Um, <laughs> About two weeks ago, I was thinking the very same thing. But we know, don't we, that God is more than able to teach us and to help us understand his scripture. And even when the scripture is maybe a bit mysterious at times and uh, and tricky. Uh, So let's pray that he will do just that. Dear Lord, I pray that uh, you would grant us uh, understanding this evening. You will help us to uh, see what you are saying to us. And we pray, our Lord, that um, by your grace you would help us to humble our hearts uh, and to receive from you. Amen. Well, it will be useful to you to have the passage open uh, in front of you. It's page 895, and uh, yeah, it's Daniel chapter 10. And actually on the service sheet, uh, there are printed some headings uh, at the back of the service sheet, uh, which you may or may not find helpful, um, but there they are. <clears throat> so first, not, this is not one of those headings, but I'm going to give you a short summary then of what's taken place. So this is the final vision that uh, Daniel had in, in the book of Daniel, uh, um, and it covers three chapters. We're looking at chapter 10, which is like a long introduction to uh, what the vision, what the message is, and then 11 and 12, it actually gives the message. Uh, so this all happened about 537 years BC, uh, before Christ, and uh, Daniel is well into his 80s. Um, around this time, the first group of exiles, uh, that's the Jewish exiles, have returned to Jerusalem uh, in order to rebuild the city and the temple, uh, only to find that they faced uh, a lot of opposition to trying to do that, and uh, it was really difficult for them. Daniel has remained behind, uh, not gone back to Jerusalem. And uh, we don't know why, he doesn't say why, but I guess probably his age has something to do with it. And uh, and also maybe he has a job particularly to do that. Now one of which which is perhaps to pray for the people, for the Jewish nation. And uh, so that's what he's doing. He prays with fasting for three weeks. And uh, as he is standing at the end of those three weeks by the great river Tigris, and we're not talking about the Loddon here, the Tigris is about a mile wide in certain places, so it's a big river. He has this remarkable vision, a vision that renders him near senseless, thrown to the ground. It takes four interventions in order for him to recover. And in the process, he learns a shocking truth, that there are battles between angels. There is war in heaven. And the earthly conflicts that they're seeing around this time are, in a sense, a reflection of that battle, that war. 
Well, Daniel is finally strengthened enough to receive the message which the angel has and is about to deliver, and the chapter ends. And um, a bit like a TV series, you know, where you get episodes where just at the crucial moment it goes off and you have to wait till next week to find the answer. Went along to see Lord of the Rings, first Lord of the Rings film, which is uh, some years back now, I guess. And uh, Lord of the Rings is a trilogy, you probably know three films. And the first film came out and uh, I went along and there was somebody with us who had uh, never read the book, didn't understand the story, didn't know how it might end. And uh, so when we get to the end of the first film, uh, nothing is resolved. If you've seen the film, there's nothing resolved. It's sort of just left hanging in the air and he's very disappointed, not happy at all because he doesn't know what the end is. But then I figure that life is a bit like that, isn't it? We, uh, things are unresolved often. Unless, of course, you've read the book. Where, if you know where you're headed, if you know what the ending is. So I'm going to tell you a story. You may have heard this before. Uh, The book of Daniel is very like Revelation. And uh, this is a story, the book of Revelation, I mean. So this is uh, uh, a story about that. There's an American group... Uh, of college students, frustrated with their struggle to try and understand the book of Revelation, went to the gym to play basketball, presumably to get over that. And after their game, they noticed the old caretaker was sitting in the corner reading something. What are you reading, they said. The book of Revelation, he replied. Oh, well, you can't understand that. Oh, yes, he replied. It's quite simple. Jesus wins. (laughs) It's a profound truth. And uh, this sort of literature, such as Revelation and Daniel, contain much which is a mystery. Uh, But we should never lose sight of that one truth, that basic truth that Jesus wins. All the same, we can learn a lot from this passage particularly, and uh, I'll try and share that with you uh, if I can. So we get to the first of my headings, on that piece of paper, which is about Daniel's prayer, um, which is verse 2 to 3. Now, it's seen that Daniel is praying for his people, that is, the Jewish people. Maybe news has reached him that things in Jerusalem are not going well. And he is aware only too uh, strongly of the weakness and liability to stray and sin of the people he has been praying about, that back in chapter 9. And he wants to know what will become of them. Maybe particularly as he's in his 80s, he wants to know from God what will become of them. Well, I want you to notice two things. Well, I noticed them. There's probably more, but this is what I noticed. In verse 4, it doesn't actually say he's praying. What it says is that Daniel mourned. He mourned. So this man is grieving. He's greatly troubled about his people and that is what is driving his prayers he's using fasting as a way to concentrate those prayers but driving it is that he mourns now it made me reflect upon my prayers I don't know about you but this prayer then is no vaguely interested request like oh by the way if you could fix Brexit that would be helpful (laughs) sort of prayer This is a heart-wrenching appeal to God 
And it's sobering to reflect, I think, that our prayers are at their best when we are a little desperate. Not when we are cool and calm, distant, articulate, but when God is all that we have left to turn to. But then, you know, that is not a comfortable place to be in. Yet doesn't it seem often that that is the place when he can best get our attention? So this is not a comfortable prayer that Daniel is praying. Secondly, uh, if you skip to verse 12, to what the angel uh, says to him about the prayer, I'm going to read that uh, for us. He says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. So, the vision and the message come in response to Daniel's prayer. And the Bible does give several uh, examples where prayer and fasting are a good uh, and effective thing. But the question that came to my mind is, does that mean then that Daniel has in some way earned the response by his fasting and his prayer? Has he earned this? Well, no, because I want you to notice that it is from what the angel says, the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself before God, your words were heard. It was from the first day that he was heard. It's not the three weeks of fasting and praying that moved God, but what was in his heart from the beginning. It was his intention. And what his intention was, to humble himself before God and to seek understanding. That is what God, by his grace, responded to. So, that was a prayer. Second, the vision, which is verse 4 to 9. And uh, it's good to, uh, to read that again, to get that into our heads. So, on the 20th, so I'm reading from verse 4 here. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen, which is what priests normally wear, normally very white, with a belt of the finest gold round his waist. His body was like chrysolite, which is a gem. So the light coming from his body was like that which would come from a jewel. His face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it. But such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. Made me wonder, really, whether Daniel wished he'd never asked. His condition, uh, flat on your face, on the ground, is not one to be envied, is it? So then if praying was uncomfortable for him, then to meet with the living God, well, that may not be as easy as we imagine it would be. But then 
what of this vision? Who is this vision of that he's seen? Commentators, they don't all agree. Some uh, think that it might have been an angel that he sees. Uh, as I have been indicating as I've gone through so far, but could it be the pre-incarnate Christ that Daniel sees, the Son of God before he came to earth? The vision does bear a striking resemblance to what John saw in Revelation chapter 1. Uh, let me read that to you and see if you can see the similarities. John describes someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is a vision of the risen Christ that John sees. And there's lots, aren't there, of similarities, did you spot them? Including, of course, John's response, he fell at his feet as if dead. And this vision uh, in Daniel is altogether more radiant than elsewhere in the book, more shattering to Daniel than any other. But against that, uh, the one who touches and speaks to Daniel then says he is a messenger, which doesn't quite match with the Son of God. And he also says that he required assistance from the archangel Mike, Michael in order to reach where Daniel is. So that's a bit of a puzzle, isn't it? Um, for its worth, I tend to side with John Lennox, who believes it is, it is a vision of Christ, but that the one who speaks to Daniel is an angel, probably Gabriel, who has appeared to Daniel earlier in the book and uh, has said very similar things, uses similar phrases. But, if that's all too much really, the main point is that Daniel has seen the glory of God and has wiped him out. So, thirdly, in your list, the messenger and Daniel's recovery, which is verses 10 to 9. Now, consistent with the pattern in the book of Daniel, Daniel is not left to come to his senses by himself nor left to work out the meaning of what's happening by himself. Instead, he is helped. Four times he receives help from the heavenly messenger. In verse 10, he is helped to his hands and knees by a touch. Verse 11, then by a word he is unable to stand, though trembling and unable to speak. Verse 16, he is touched on the lips so that he can speak similar to Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6. But when he does speak, he says that he's overcome with anguish. So then a fourth time, verse 18, he is given strength. And I love the words here from God to the man who finds this all too much. He says, do not be afraid, peace. Be strong now, be strong. Now, this is not the sort of state that you expect to end up in 
when you start saying your prayers. But to meet with the holy and awesome God is no small thing. In Acts 9, when Paul meets with the risen Jesus, he too fell to the ground. And the men with him also didn't see the vision, but were stunned and speechless. Paul was in effect led away blinded temporarily. But we're beginning to get the picture of what it is like to meet with God. It is interesting to reflect, don't you think, that mankind is very good at portraying that which is evil, the hideous, the monstrous things and acts. In books and films and plays, including Lord of the Rings, I guess, we're good at frightening the living daylights out of each other. But we're completely incapable of representing such awesome and powerful goodness as Daniel meets with. Such goodness and light that it would lay a man senseless, dumb, blind, just to meet with it. <coughs> okay, number four, the war. We're going to look at what uh, the Bible, what Daniel says about the war. So right in the middle of this recovery, this recovery that Daniel's making, uh, the angel makes an extraordinary statement. What he says is that what has kept him from coming earlier to answer Daniel is the struggle with the prince of the Persian kingdom, verse 13. What he means by that is there was an angel, a fallen angel, who protected the mighty Persian empire. Just as you will see in verse 20, there was a similar angel who was protecting or would protect the coming Greek empire. And this angel that protected Persia wanted to prevent Gabriel from coming to Daniel to tell him. He was opposed to the people of God and it ended up that the angel Michael had to come to Gabriel's assistance. Not all angels are on God's side nor on the side of his people. There was war in heaven. Now maybe you think uh, that this is a 21st century and that all sounds rather far-fetched. Do we really need to believe in that? Well, let me read you, uh, first of all, a paragraph from John Lennox, who is, among other things, a professor of mathematics at Oxford University. Let me read you what he says in his commentary. The sceptic will hoot with derision if we add to our confession of faith in God the belief that another realm exists where there are supernatural beings, angels and demons. Such laughter strikes me as decidedly out of place, especially nowadays. If any scientist announces with confidence that there is life elsewhere in the universe, or, as is very likely these days, that there is a multiverse, a plurality of universes, many of which are teeming with life, there is no derision, but rather fascinated and respectful attention. Yet, when the Bible suggests that it may not be the only world, our universe, and there are other beings out there, it gets laughed to scorn. Now this is intellectually inconsistent and simply shows the depth of prejudice 
that the naturalistic worldview has generated. Interesting. Furthermore, if we are to follow scripture, then we are told that this war is a reality. Revelation chapter 12. Now a war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Furthermore, Paul writes in Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So picking up what Paul says there. If uh, you are a Christian here this evening, and if you take your faith to any degree seriously, then I think you know that there is a battle going on. Because of the ways you are tempted, tempted away from your faith, tempted to do that which you know is not right. When you meet with resistance, whenever you try and share that faith that you have, or when you see the news, or when you hear of the discrimination and encounter it yourself against those who are Christians, the persecution around the world of Christians. I think we know there is a battle and it's not just against what we can see. But we are not told this to frighten us, but to prompt us to pray because that is the front line in the battle. But we have read the book. We know how this all ends. We know that Jesus wins and has won the victory for us. Though of course we are still in the struggle for now. So finally, the fifth of my headings, the book of truth, verse 21. Daniel learns that there will be trials and difficulties for his people. But Gabriel shows that God and his angels already know what is going to happen. It is already written, verse 21, in the book of truth. That is a marvellous thing, isn't it? If you are any general in any battle, to know what is going to happen would be a colossal advantage. But not only is it known, but it's written down in the book of truth. And while Daniel sees in worldly terms the massive, powerful empires of Persia and Greece dwarfing and controlling the seemingly insignificant Jewish nation, that is not a true picture. Not how God sees it. And he is reminded that Michael, the, uh, the archangel Michael, is your prince. That is to say, he is the angel that is protecting the people of God. Daniel was assured that there was a mighty prince on a higher realm guarding his people. 
we too can be assured today that Jesus has won the victory, that he will be with us. We can call on his strength in the battles that we face. As the angel says, do not be afraid. Be strong now, be strong. Let's pray together, shall we? Dear Lord, we thank you for the book of Daniel. We pray that you would help us to learn from it of what we've learnt this evening. May we humble ourselves before you and seek understanding that we may be strong and trust in your saving power and grace. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.